It's time for episode 496 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where our minutes are bite-sized. That's B-Y-T-E. Ha! I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my good buddy, it's Dan the Man Morin. How you doing, Dan? Oh, I am hungry. I could really kill a bite right now, let me tell you. Um... <laughs> oh, lordy. Um, good, good. Right, I like I'll, it. See my, I'll see myself out. It's fine. <laughs> well, while you see yourself out, I will see our first guest in. To my left is one of the founders and partners at Lickability and host of Absolutely Crushed, the podcast you should all be listening to. It's Matthew Bischoff. Welcome back to the show, Matthew. It's always a pleasure to be here, Micah. So happy to be uh, invited on. And to my left this week, it is YouTuber extraordinaire, Christopher Lolly. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me. I'm always excited to be here. Yay, we've got lots of excited guests. Well, two excited guests. And you all know how this podcast works with just four topics in 30 minutes. Let's get underway. My topic for you, what app or apps do you use for note taking on mobile and on your desktop? Matthew, we'll start with you. Okay, I'm going to try and keep it short, but I use a lot of apps for note taking. I am a note taking nerd and I'm constantly evaluating and trying new apps Um, on mobile. uh, I mostly start where text starts in drafts uh, by by Greg over at Agile Tortoise. It's a great app to just jot something down quickly. From there, I send it to one of two places, maybe three places. The first one is where most of my personal notes live. That's an app called LogSec sort of came out of the Rome research uh, style of apps, um, similar to Obsidian, if you're familiar with that, but a little uh, nerdier in specific outline-y kind of ways. And then if I'm, if I'm um, sharing a note with someone, like a partner or a friend or something like that, uh, a non-work-related shared notes go into the Apple Notes app, and I have shared folders with a bunch of important people in my life. Finally, if it is a work note, that goes to Notion. Oh wow, that's so many so many places for notes app. I am probably the opposite. I I hate taking notes, but I it is a necessary evil. In college, I like could never do note taking. I was just get uh, bored and my handwriting was too bad. So I go for the simplest approach, which is the notes app. I use the notes app everywhere. I use it on my phone, my iPad, my Macs. Um, I put everything in there. It is haphazard and unruly, and it has only the barest form of organization whatsoever. But it works really well. And when I want to find something, I don't have to worry about where I put it. It's in the notes app. How many notes um, do you have in there, Dan? Uh, like close to a thousand, I think. <laughs> nice. Uh, 928, according to this right now. Uh, and then I have been slightly playing around with Obsidian, mainly because I used to maintain a small wiki for my novels so I could keep track of stuff. And since that wiki was sort of just in Markdown, it was really easy to just import it into Obsidian and have it mm. there. Um, so I've been using that a little bit more for that very specific purpose. And I do like it, but I find Obsidian a bit overkill. What I love about notes is it's simple, gets out of my way. What about you, Chris? Uh, I, like Matthew, have a few different apps I use. Uh, and also, like Matthew, my text starts with drafts. Uh, I really yes. like drafts. It's a great app for quickly capturing notes. Uh, and one of my favorite things is 
well, two favorite things. When you open the app, it opens straight to a new note so you can quickly just write in it. And it has a great Apple Watch app so I can just like dictate right to uh, you know, a new note. Uh, from there, a note can either go to Obsidian, where that's typically where I work on like big scripts and stuff for videos. It's my text editor. It's where I do like all my big writing and stuff like that. And then if I have like little notes about like, oh, hey, here's this thing about my condo or here's this thing about my car or like here's this recipe I want to save or whatever, I, I save it in craft, uh, just kind of a way to like kind of store everything. Nice. Um, for me, I use text edit on the Mac. I have for years. I basically every day I create a text file with just the date um, as the name of the file. And then it is a scratch pad. It is a note taking uh, location. It is a, uh, just an everything uh, spot on my Mac. Uh, and then on the iPhone, I switch between using uh, the sort of text message exchange I have with myself as a note taking location <laughs> and the notes app on uh, the on, on the iPhone and on the iPad. So between those two on the iPhone and iPad and the Mac with text edit, I am uh, pretty much covered. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Matthew. Yes, uh, very exciting that this week Apple released iOS 16.4 and iPadOS and macOS and all the OSs, uh, and they bring new features like uh, tilt and azimuth support for Apple Pencil, as well as new emoji like the goose. Um, I want to know which feature and which new emoji are you the most excited about? Oh, this is a good question. Uh, for the emoji... I think it's honestly the the high five emoji, the left and right facing hands. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm um, just I'm I'm jazzed for that because, and I'm just worried people will leave me hanging. Um, that seems bad. Uh, and for features, my favorite feature. There's a lot of good ones hidden in here, but I think the one that I was most excited about is the fact that they finally have updated so that Mastodon posts on like show their preview in messages. So this was the thing with like Twitter, right? Like where you post tweets, links, and it would show you the text of the tweet or the image in the tweet. And for a long time, Mastodon just showed you like the picture of the person, right? It, like treated as a normal <laughs> link. And it was useless. Um, and so I had to use, there was a workaround that someone very clever came up with where you could like put a, I actually had a shortcut where you could like share it via another service. Anyways, it was a pain, but now you can just post it and people can read it right there. Oh, that's going to save me so much time. And I, it's a little thing, but it makes a huge difference in my life. Chris? Yeah. So for the emoji, I think I, I'm going to go with the shaking head one, but mm. I, I do have a question. <laughs> Chaotic. <laughs> Does does the goose have like a secondary meaning? Did I miss something? I feel like the goose just popped out of nowhere. It's the horrible Maybe... goose. It's the okay. horrible goose from Untitled Goose Game. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. That, okay, that okay. I get that. Okay, that that's a good one. Uh, as far as feature goes, I think I would have to go with the new HomeKit architecture. Now, I haven't enabled mm. it because it was a little shaky last time. It was because technically this is the second time it's been released. Uh, and then it was turned off after it started bricking some people's houses. But we've all been there. It, yeah, hopefully it's like solid now because I would very much like to see matter become a thing and like kind of, you know, start to get this more um, unified and faster home kit and smart home architecture stuff to roll out. Hopefully this is it. I'm still waiting a few days to see if there's any issues before I enable it on my end. I'll let other people test mm -hmm. it. 
<laughs> yes, uh, do that. Do that. Let other people test it for sure. I, uh, as far as emoji goes, I'm also the shaking, uh, like earthquake face emoji. I think I'm worried about face. all of you with the vibrating heads. <laughs> Somebody so, should. It's well, so your, scary. Consult your physicians, okay? Well, Micah and I are both in California, so we got earthquakes to worry about, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sometimes I just feel like that. I feel like my head's been rocked. Um, it's it's like a new version of mind blown in my mind. Um, as far as features, I, uh, I would have to say it's kind of a silly one, but um, I very rarely make phone calls. But when I do, it always seems like I'm somewhere where there's just so much noise around me. And I was talking to my mom the other day on the phone, and suddenly like three fire trucks and uh, two um, orchestras and three marching bands walked by and I could barely or she could barely hear what I was saying. There's now voice isolation for cellular calls that will actually yes. sort of try to make it so that it's just your voice that gets heard. So I am very excited about that feature. So all those marching bands that I hire to follow me around can't be heard on the call. Uh, Matthew, why don't you round us out? For the feature, I tweeted about this one, so I was worried that someone would steal it, but it's the return, the triumphant return of the Apple Books page turn animation. <laughs> uh, this got removed a few releases ago, and I had missed it. Uh, I don't often use Apple Books, but when I do, I like to have that little touch of whimsy, and I'm glad it's back. And on the emoji front, um, a really simple pick here, just the the pink heart. There were already so many types of pink hearts. There's the double pink heart. There's the sparkly pink heart. There's the vibrating one, the, the one with the arrow through it. But there wasn't a regular old pink heart, and I needed it, and now I have it. I feel the same way. I Yeah, I'm very happy about that. Um, all right, folks, we have reached halftime, which means it's time to take a quick break so I can tell you about our sponsor this week. It's How to Fix the Internet, an original podcast from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. You know, you may take a moment and go, you're browsing the internet and something upsets you and you go, Ugh. Sometimes it just feels like we're lurching towards a digital future that no one wants, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are choices we can make to create an internet that makes a better future for all of us. Technologists and policymakers have real solutions to the problems facing our online world today, so we can build an internet that has all of the good things we want from tech, with none of that creepy stuff we'd rather not have. Your hosts of the show are Cindy Cohn and Jason Kelly. Cindy is the executive director of the Electronic Frontier Foundation and has been in the trenches, the courtrooms, and the boardroom of tech activism for decades. Jason joins the show this season, and he is a digital strategist and activist with EFF, where he focuses his work on privacy, on free speech, and on surveillance. In each episode, Cindy and Jason invite someone with a vision on how to fix the internet, someone who has actual real solutions on how to move the needle toward a better online world. The show will make you feel better about your digital future, make you feel more knowledgeable about what needs fixing and be more engaged to demand change. Episodes are available anywhere you listen to podcasts and at EFF.org slash podcast. And folks, I'm telling you, you need to go there and get this most recent episode. It's called So You Think You're a Critical Thinker, and it features uh, Alice Marwick. Um, in this episode, I'm, genuinely, it was uh, a moment of, of, of like calm for me because I... Uh, have spent a lot of time brooding on misinformation and uh, disinformation and fact-checking and how it is so hard to get someone to change their mind. And it's left me feeling powerless at times. Uh, but 
this episode focuses on how disinformation and misinformation are tied to a person's identity, how it can be tied to marginalization, disenfranchisement, and sort of explains the psychology behind that, and then talks about how the times when fact-checking doesn't work, and it's just you know, an annoyance that pushes someone even further away. And so it goes into so much depth about kind of what uh, the state of things is, what problems there are. And then it doesn't just stop there. It also offers some solutions, some ideas on how to fix this, how to actually make a change. And so I felt seen and I felt um, sort of opened up to some new ideas about how to actually go about uh, addressing these issues. And I think that's so incredibly valuable. So you should definitely search for how to fix the internet and your podcast player. And of course, we'll also include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to how to fix the internet for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. And also shout out to the Electronic Frontier Foundation for all the work that they do. All right, we are back from halftime. And that means it's time for Dan's topic. What have you got for us? All right, so another feature that is Apple is rolling out starting, I think, as early as this week is Apple Pay Later, which is something they announced last year. It's basically one of these installment plans where you can make a purchase and divide it up into like a handful of smaller purchases or a handful of smaller payments and pay it over time. My question is, is this a feature that you would see yourself using? Have you used installment payment systems before? And what do you see as sort of the upsides and downsides of this? Chris, let's start with you. Yeah. Uh, so when I was younger, I uh, like a lot of people, I got into a little bit of trouble using credit cards when I when I shouldn't have, uh, not illegally or anything. I just charged <laughs> too much to them. <laughs> I wanted computers. I'm a nerd. Um, so I could see this for somebody that like now I'm at the point where I'm responsible and I save before buying blah 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 whatever. I could see this as something like when I was younger, I would use this to buy a computer at, you know, because as far as I understand, there's no interest on these. It, the money is automatically taken out of you, your your bank account and stuff like that. There's really nothing for you to manage other than the fact that you need to make sure you have money in your bank account. So I could see this as being like a, especially like when I was starting off with YouTube and stuff like that, like I had no money whatsoever. Like I was buying like, like I, I, I started off with a Blue Yeti microphone and screen recording software so like i could see this as like a nice way of like hey i want to get into some creative work and stuff like that but i don't have a ton of money to like you know spend on a computer or whatever i can you know slowly pay for this so i mean yeah i I think it could be a good thing i've never used them before but as long as they're not like creepy predatory uh financial stuff yeah i guess i think that's a good thing um i have used uh a couple of these services in the past um i remember uh, i couldn't afford to buy um furniture for my place uh back when i lived in missouri and i wanted to like at the very least have a sofa and an entertainment stand and so amazon uh, i don't know if they still do this but for a long time offered um a like split four times you pay once a month uh installment plan with no fees or anything like that. And I used that and it was a great way for me to be able to afford these things. I think that as long as, um, you know, there, I I read a story from The Verge not too terribly long ago that covered uh, kind of the problem with these installment payments and how sometimes folks will end up skipping payments or sometimes folks will prioritize their installment payments over their rent and things like that. And so I'm always sort of existing in a space where I 
think that people should be able to um, sort of have access to the things that they need and in many cases, the things that they want, because that does lead to or can lead to a better overall uh, good mental health space, while also being aware of how sometimes this stuff can be predatory, can result in people making uh, poor decisions for them and for others. And so, yeah, it's hard because I don't ever want to come across as like uh, elitist as if, you know, the only way you can get things is if you have all of the money right away, because that's just not the way that it works. And also, I don't know why I went with a British accent there. I'm sorry, Brits. You're not. <laughs> Thurston Howell's third energy. energy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that this can be good. I, as I said, I have used it in the past and um, I, I will be trying this simply because I need to know how it works so I can talk about it. Um, Matthew, tell us your thoughts. Uh, I'm, I've been pretty critical of of Apple's shipping of this feature. I I think um, what really concerned me was the SF started my concern on this front was the SF gate piece from May of last year uh, titled buy now pay later is sending the TikTok generation spiraling into debt popularized by San Francisco tech firms. Um, I'd highly recommend reading that piece to to if you want to get a little bit deeper on some of the problems that this can cause for folks that Micah alluded to. Um, I probably won't use this feature. I have used similar features in the past, but, but from my bank and and um, and uh, credit cards that I that I use for larger purchases. For my Apple Card, I don't really use it for large purchases because most technology purchases are going through the company, and really the only thing that's on there is uh, App Store apps and games. Um, so I don't think I'll use it, and I sort of wish that they hadn't prioritized shipping this feature when I think there's a lot of other. Uh, more useful services that they could have added to Apple Card. Well, so it's interesting, actually, because I don't think this does require an Apple Card. In fact, when I read about it, it requires a, debit, right. a debit card. So I think That's in right. some it's ways... Apple Pay, not Apple Card. Yeah, I think what they're trying to do here in some ways to sort of give them... Uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt for the first part of this is to reduce reliance or or appeal to people who don't have Apple cards and say you can get some of the features of paying stuff off over installments without the need for this. That said, it will be reported to credit agencies. It will eventually have impacts on your credit rating and all of that. So it's still something that you should treat seriously because it's a financial thing that you could still get into hot water uh, if you sort of overextend yourself. And I would argue there are some benefits to having going through Apple as opposed to other services. Uh, Mike and I talked a little bit about this on um, uh, uh, iOS. Uh, <laughs> iOS Today. <laughs> iOS Today, yesterday, as we record this. And I think decided one of the benefits to it is Apple is a large enough company and doesn't need to make money off this. So you do kind of know where their business model is coming from, as opposed to companies that rely on this purely as their sort of uh, reason or raison d'etre. Like, right, that's, that's why they're right. in business. So they need to make money off it somehow. So you got to really watch out for that. So I think Apple does insulate that a little bit by virtue of being like, hey, we're, we want to sell devices still this is just a functionality we're providing that said i do think it's important you know everybody needs to be able to um not spend beyond their means and certainly there are cases where this can be beneficial but it can be risky as well because if you don't for some reason have the ability to make those later payments there will come some you know consequence of that right right and um, it's still goldman on the back end which is a, another concern that absolutely people have sure yeah i mean it, this is a capitalist economy and people are going to get their yes. money one way or another um so i'm not somebody who uses these things i've never really um you know had to make a big enough purchase that i need to split up this way i often relied on credit cards which have their own downsides um but i do think it's interesting that apple is finding this as something it considers beneficial enough to spend all this time on and i'm curious 
to see how much it actually gets used. But thank you all for your thoughts on that. It's a really interesting issue and will be interesting to see how it develops. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Chris. Yeah, uh, so WWDC should be announced any day now. Kind of hoping it's today. Uh, so I'm curious. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I know. I've already made a hotel reservation. I'm hoping it's uh, right. Uh, so I'm curious to hear from you all. What is something you hope to hear that is announced? But also, what is something you expect like is a for sure to be announced? And I will even allow hardware, even though this is typically a software event. Well, since you let or since I get to go first, I'm going to choose the easy thing of what I expect for sure to be announced. And that is uh, new updates to iOS, tvOS, watchOS, iPadOS, HomePod OS, etc. <laughs> I know sure, leave something for the rest of us. Mike, you got to give us a little more detail. I know we could count on software updates uh, for sure. But no, uh, ultimately, from what I have heard, um, a lot of this round for iOS was going to be bug fixes. Um, as far as what I expect for sure to be announced, I honestly don't know. I don't know what's next uh, for the operating system. Um, I imagine there will be changes to, uh, you know, improvements to notifications, as there always are. As far as what I hope to hear, um, I hope to hear that the HomePod mini, the iPhone, the Apple Watch, and I guess now the HomePod second generation, basically any device that has an ultra wideband chip in it, I hope to hear that we will gain access to the nearby interactions that are uh, made possible by that ultra wideband chip. Um, there has for, you know, since the introduction of UWB uh, been this nearby interactions framework, and I have not seen outside of Apple's own sample code from WWDC. Right. I've not seen anyone making use of that. No one's like taking advantage of the fact that we can do this sort of uh, close up uh, sort of location based awareness. And all I want is for when I walk into my office, because I have a HomePod mini and an Apple watch on my wrist, the lights to turn on and then for them to stay on until I walk out of the room and then the lights go off. And, you know, there are, there are motion sensors that can do that, but you have to move every once in a while. And I don't want like, I, I, I just really want UWB to be something that I can use. And because there's a framework there, let's make it happen. Matthew, it is your turn. Uh, every year uh, before WWC, I publish a wish list on Twitter of the things that I that I hope for. I looked back at my one last year for the things that didn't come true yet and the one that stuck out to me the one that i hope for is custom watch faces i think it's 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 finally time we need to do it uh we've seen so many developers like david smith and others who've prototyped what custom watch faces could be how they could work and i just i i want to have the ability to to tweak my uh watch face more than just a few complications so that's the hope um as for what i think is more for sure um i think it's for sure that we're going to see Apple do more with AI this year. Um, they've been pretty quiet on that front, but they've made some some significant hires in that area. And they've also made tweaks to how the neural engine supports uh, things like stable diffusion. So I'm expecting uh, more AI powered features in photos and throughout the OS. 
Uh, I'm going to pick the thing that I think there is a lot of smoke about. Therefore, I think the fire is actively burning, which is the headset. I think we're going to see Apple announce its mixed reality take, uh, its new platform, and the hardware that goes with that. Even if it's something that is targeted more at developers in advance of something that's more consumer-focused down the road, I think Apple knows it's got to sort of plant a flag in this market and it's been talking about this for so long i'm kind of curious to see what it can leverage all the ar technology that it's been developing over the past you know several years uh to turn into something that's even more compelling um so i i feel pretty confident that we're going to see that discussed in one way or another as far as things go that i would like to hear announced um you know like micah that i had heard the rumors of this being a more bug fix year i kind of was hoping that it would be more of a like hey let's go mop up all these like lingering weird issues and there's a bunch of apps that i feel like could use a little bit of attention like mail i struggle with mail every day and i use that so often um i'd love to see some enhancements to messages uh like better message filtering like there's so much to be done there more tap backs options all of that notes we talked about notes earlier i really love the way the big thing for obsidian that works for me is like the ability to link in between notes i would love Mm -hmm. to see notes take it to a shot at that functionality so lots of little things like that and and it does seem like the rumor now is that there will be a bunch of nice to have enhancements um so I'm kind of hopeful that that some of these might get picked off our long-running wish lists, and that would just make me feel really great about the platform. Chris, why don't you wrap us up here? Yeah, so as far as something that I expect to be announced, they have to fix Stage Manager, right? Especially on the iPad. Like they <laughs> yeah, have please. to. Pretty, 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 <laughs> yes, pretty, they do. Pretty, pretty, please, please, please for my sanity. Um and then the thing that I hope to hear announced is the same thing I hope to hear announced every year for the past, I don't know, whenever the iPad Pro came out. Final cut for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> why not? Let's let's do it. I, I Keep holding I, your breath on that I one. Know. <laughs> this is why it's in the hope category and not the expect category. I think at one point it was probably slated to happen. I do not think that's the case anymore. So hopefully, but yeah. So those are mine. All right. Well, uh, we are just about to the end of this episode, but we've got time for a bonus topic. Uh, If crayons were food, what color would you eat and why? (laughs) Matthew, we'll start with you. Okay, uh, I will paste it into the chat as well so you can get a visual. This is the Crayola Color Vivid Tangerine. Number one. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful orange. But also, I love tangerines. And I feel like if Vivid Tangerine was going to taste like anything, it would taste like a really, really good tangerine. Mm, Nice. Uh, I I had two choices. One was electric lime because it sounds delicious. I love lime as a flavor. And electric lime just sounds shockingly good. Um, And two, (laughs) uh, there's one called outer space. I just want to know what outer space tastes like. I'm just fascinated. I want to know. There you go. So for me... I, you know, I don't have a. I actually didn't look up the Crayola names. Uh, so I'm just gonna say purple. Uh, purple just <laughs> it looks delicious. Like you look at purple and it's like, yeah, I see there. Okay, you you look yummy. I wonder what you taste like. I'm not gonna taste you, but have you ever had like a purple popsicle? Like that's what. Purple I, oh yeah, like. yeah, yeah. But I'm just talking specifically the crown. Like you know, you got the crown sitting on your desk, and sure. it's like, huh. That looks delicious. Yeah, right. should probably go get some grapes or something. But yeah, or a purple popsicle. <laughs> uh, or some cough syrup. Uh, for me, I'm going to have to go <laughs> with peach. Um, 
it looks like a peach. Peaches are delicious. And yeah, I think um, it it's, it's, doesn't seem too overly saturated. So for me, I feel like if that's uh, it, it, the bitterest one, I, I feel like would be a, a black crayon because it just seems like it's got the most like pigment in it. So if I have to eat one, it's going to be the peach one, I guess. Um, what a weird bonus question. If you out there <laughs> <It was. laughs> would, would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. If you go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year, you will be helping to support the show. You'll get to join us in, uh, in, in sort of support of the show. And of course, you get to uh, hear the overtime topic. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss group messaging. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our incredible guests, Matthew Bischoff. Thank you so much for being here today. Always a pleasure. And Christopher Lawley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Michael will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>